This podcast is going to contain mature themes and language, so please be aware. I have just created something totally illogical. That's what I like about in my life there's a reason go the distance did you hear the voice too did you hear it go the distance yes our grave is dead he died in 1972 are you moonlight graham no one's called me moonlight graham in 50 years unbelievable it's more than that it's perfect you build a baseball field in the middle of nowhere and you sit here and you stare at nothing this field this game it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good. Hey, is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, Burt Lancaster. Sometimes, when you believe the impossible, the incredible comes true. Field of Dreams. Wow, you guys couldn't see that. But that trailer just like spoiled the entire entire movie. <laughs> That's the best thing about trailers from like before <laughs> 10 years ago. They just spoil absolutely everything. Yeah, it's like, like, wow. And trailers now. But anyways, <laughs> before we get started on the long-awaited Field of Dreams podcast with Craig Katera, we are going to let you know that everywhere at the podcast, uh, Tailgate Society, you can find us at tailgatesociety.com and your podcast app of choice, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. And if you want to sponsor us because you listen to us get drunk and trash America's favorite baseball movie, you should sponsor us because I think it's going to get ugly. But anyways, <laughs> as always, like I said, we are joined by Craig Katera. He uh, does the uh, Cup of Coffee newsletter and he wrote a book and I actually wrote down the book and I'm pissed off because I lost to Google. What's your book called? It's called right. Rethinking Fandom. Which is a good book. I read this book. I enjoyed it and I couldn't get a goddamn title. So No, that's up. okay. I forget it sometimes too. I was actually like on a podcast yesterday talking about the book, but the book's been out for like almost three months now. And I wrote it over a year ago and I couldn't remember anything about it. So I literally had to go back and look at my book to remember what I was talking about. So you are totally off the hook on that. Well, as someone who was a Dolphins fan is now a Bears fan, the whole rethinking fandom. Oh, you get it. It's sense. And also just borderline a Cubs fan anymore. I haven't watched a Cubs game or seen a highlight in probably 18 months because I, we don't have no time to discuss them and their politics and everything that's supposed to be a Cubs fan. No, we days. don't. <laughs> so anyways... As always, 
we start a podcast. If for some reason you have never seen Field of Dreams and you're just here to listen to us talk and have drinks and discuss it, we are going to spoil this movie in 90 seconds or less. So, Craig, why don't you lead off the podcast by spoiling this shit out of Field of Dreams? Sure. So there's this farmer in Iowa who is a former sort of 1960s Berkeley hippie who found some great woman and moved to Iowa and opened a farm and was living a great life with a great kid. And all of a sudden he starts hearing a voice from nowhere telling him that he needs to do something, build a baseball field in his corn. Turns out he's doing this to, uh, I don't know, sort of pay penance. And we'll get into that, by the way, uh, as as he finds out he has to pay some sort of penance for disagreements he had with his father, a baseball fan, uh, years and years before. And when he builds this baseball field, all of these ghosts from like the 1910s and teens come out playing baseball. Shoeless Joe Jackson, all the dead ball era heroes start playing in a fit of magical realism on his farm. And it, uh, it saves his farm, it saves his life, it gives him an uplifting feeling of connection with his father, there's a doctor involved, it, it's, it goes crazy. Anyway, just think, <laughs> magical realism coming together in forms of ghost playing baseball that allows a guy to reconnect with his dead father in a way that makes every dude over the age of 40 cry like a baby. Yeah, I, I, it hits it on the head. I, I, just, <laughs> I rewatched this movie for the first time. In a long time, and like Jake and Sean, who are my other, not only introduced Jake Foss and Sean Shantes Festerman tonight, I got, we talked about this earlier in the week. I'm like, I almost didn't want to rewatch this movie because I have seen this movie so many times. I felt like I didn't need to see, I didn't need to rewatch it. Because as someone who grew up in Iowa or it's just people of our age, you saw this movie. It was on TV. It was in It's your... got to be the law in Iowa, right? <laughs> I've been there. I've been to Field of Dreams four or five times. You know, I have numerous photos of my childhood and early adultness, you know, like how I know all the backstories, but how like half of the field is owned by someone else. And then there's a fight over who has the real field of dreams and all that. I think, I think it's owned by one person now. I'm pretty sure it's a corporation. Um, yeah, that's how they could do the Major League Baseball tie-in with that game they play each summer now um, because it finally got consolidated and now there's real money to be made from it and all that. As how all farmland works anymore. Yeah, pretty much. It's all owned <laughs> by a giant corporation. I do like how they farm. <laughs> if they Ray talk- Kinsella was a real dude, he would have been bought out by ConAgra about 20 years ago. <laughs> well, he, he would have made enough money selling two acres of land that he'd been sent for, for a while. Look, I don't want to jump into the middle of my beefs with this movie, <laughs> but I will say... I live in Ohio. I'm not a, I'm not a farmer myself, but like you folks, I am a, you know, product of the the great American heartland. And I can tell you right now, anyone who lives anywhere between say Pennsylvania and Colorado will tell you, you do not go bankrupt based on two acres of land being plowed under. That's <laughs> not, not one year. Be, if that's the difference between you making it as a farmer and going bankrupt, you're a shitty farmer. I'm sorry. <laughs> Even if you want to call it like 10 acres somehow, it's yeah, it's it's, it's not the difference between making it or not. No, it's not how that works. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So be, before you be this movie, I have one thing I'm going to get into real quick before I get sidetracked. If I'm out in my farmhouse and I hear voices and then I go to the house and the voices follow me, I'm burning the fucking house down. That's a Jordan Peele movie. This should be a Jordan Peele movie. He should remake Field of Dreams. It would be five minutes long. Everybody would leave and it'd be over. Yeah, like like at what point if the ghost comes into my house to come after me after in the field, I'm leaving. I'm sorry. (laughs) I've seen enough horror movies know that this ends and it ends badly if you stick around. 
It'd be better as a horror movie. I mean, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Ty Cobb comes out and beats you to death. That's how this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, I don't, look, I... I I know why you. I know why you called me on this thing. I get it. So don't, don't, <laughs> we we called you not, here because let's we not beat around the bush. We did the I, Eight Men Out movie. This is a sequel to that. That's true. Right? I am the world's foremost Field of Dreams hater. I am. I've convinced. I'm. I know. I'm resigned to the idea. So that speaking I, of that, I I, when I googled your name to make sure I got your book right, right under, if I just type your name, the seventh thing is Field of Dreams. Yep. Is it's, Twitter cup of coffee. <laughs> Wife, congrats. So <laughs> <laughs> why that is a high enough Twitter? I mean, Google well, Google. I mean, I've had multiple wives, so it could be anything, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Field of Dreams is in your Google search. Like it's there when you type your name. So what Google. happened? I'll, I'll tell you what happened with that was for years I sort of like I started writing regularly as a baseball writer in like 2007. And I would just casually drop I hate Field of Dreams just sort of as a joke here and there. And people and I did it mostly because I know it made people mad. People love this movie. I, I don't want to like look anyone listening to this. I'm guessing like 80 percent of the people listening to this love Field of Dreams because it's a, it's, it's like an amazingly beloved movie. And I get it. Um, and I started doing it mostly to poke fun at people like eh, Field of Dreams sucks and it gets a rise out of people. And I used to do that all the time. And then over the years, I did it so much. It got so lazy and people would yell at me. I was like, I need to be fair about the movie and I need to actually explain why I don't like it. And I need to figure out actually if I really still don't like it. Because um, if you do the Google search, the one thing you'll find is my, my post that says Field of Dreams is absolutely terrible. And I wrote that <laughs> in 2017. And what happened was I had not seen it. I saw it when it came out in the theaters in 1989. I went when I was like 16, I went and saw it. And I didn't like it then because 16 year olds hate everything. And then I saw it probably when I was like in my 20s or early 30s. And I didn't like it either. Um, but I also had sort of realized that over the years, maybe I had, I was too immature. I hadn't lived long enough. I didn't get it yet. And by 2017, you know, I had two kids who were becoming teenagers. I had lived a life. I had had regrets. Uh, my parents are getting older. Maybe, maybe now it's time for this movie to resonate with me. Maybe I was just too early to it. And so I was giving it a fair shot. And I swear to Christ, I gave it a fair shot. And I sat and I, I made sure everyone was out of the house. I had a, you know, a bourbon with me. I turned on the movie and I watched it and I made notes and I was giving it a fair shot and it sucked even. Even worse than than it's ever sucked. So and what so you're I, saying, you just so I ripped it. This. I, yeah. I ripped it like crazy, and I wrote the thing about it, and I did it on my personal blog. And my boss at NBC at the time was like, "Oh, this is good. You need to put it on the website." You're like, "Okay," fine. <laughs> because they knew I was going to get hate reads, and this was hated, by the way. Like, I got. So this has happened a couple of times when I've written about political things. Like I get emails from like Tucker Carlson's people like, hey, you want to come on the show? Like they want to attack me for being a liberal weenie. And I would get like emails from talk shows and from radio people saying, oh, hey, see, you don't like Field of Dreams. Why don't you come on the show and talk about it? And like they just want to roast me. Um, it became a big thing. And it is now like it's like third sentence obituary material for me as being the world's foremost Field of Dreams hater. But I stand by it. And it's not a visceral, emotional thing. It's a logical, totally rational hatred of this movie. And I will explain why at some point here. Today. Did you, so you didn't rewatch the movie on Peacock? 
No, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's been a couple of years, but I, it, it comes up so often and people ask me about it so often. I feel like I'm rewatching it every week. Okay. <laughs> so my counterpoint to that is while the movie is my least, no, I don't know if it's my least favorite Costner baseball movie. I am, I am a for the love of the game stand. I think it's his best. I think it's good. I, I, I'm a Bull Durham guy, but I think for the love of the game, it gets a lot of crap. Um, but I think it's a way better movie than people give it credit for. Well, if you got rid of the Kelly Preston part, it'd be a lot better. It was just a baseball movie. <laughs> and rest it's, in it's peace. A, it's a rom-com, but it's it's fine. It's fine. And, and I don't hate Kevin Costner. Like, everybody thinks, oh, you for the, you, you hate Field of Dreams. You must hate Kevin Costner. I'm like, no, he's good in a lot of things. He's bad in some other things. He's like a lot of actors. He does a great job and For the Love of Game. Does a great job in Bull Durham. Uh, heck, he does a great job in Yellowstone, for crying out loud. Uh, just, this is just the worst movie he's ever been in. Oof. He's worse yeah. than Waterworld. Worse <laughs> than the Postman. Postman wow. and Waterworld are just sitting out there. Wow. No, this is worse than that. Those those movies tried to do something. This movie is like. When was the last time you saw the Postman, Craig? You know, I rewatched it. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I did. I don't know why. I it was like right after the pandemic happened, and like the whole world was breaking down, and there were a bunch of think pieces people were writing about how we're actually now living in the time of the postman. And I was like, what? And I watch it; it's still terrible. But actually, only I know what that movie is: a he's a postman, <laughs> and the, the guy that's the bad guy, I think, is Harry Stamper's best friend from Armageddon. <laughs> I'm just, I can't watch that movie without thinking it's like a Seinfeld fake movie. Like that's a movie they would talk about on Seinfeld. Oh, the postman. And Kramer would say, oh, no, great movie, postman. <laughs> so, all right, before we start getting this movie and tearing a new asshole, can we, I mean, you, you're not going to listen. I'm just going to let Craig sit in the corner for a second, let the other guys talk. <laughs> Sorry. The last 20 minutes of this movie, is, it really, it really like sucks you in though. Everything from when they get back, to when his brother shows up, sucks you into the moment. Can you at least admit that, Craig, or you just can't even get, can't even get past that part? No, I can't because they don't earn it. That's okay. the problem. So <laughs> the, the thing that people yell at me about this is they say I don't have a heart and I don't have emotions and I don't understand and I must not have played catch with my dad and all that kind of stuff. But no, it's like I'm totally prepared for a magical realism movie. I'm totally prepared for a, a tearjerker. I'm, I'm fine with that. They just don't earn it. And then I'll, I'll step back for a minute because I don't want to dominate this, but that's kind of where I am at it. It pisses me off more at the end than it does at the beginning. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm, now I'm just, now I'm, I don't know. I'm going to let, let Jake talk. So I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond to that. He said, I like the ending. Give me goosebumps. Uh, yeah. I, I'm curious to um, just to hear why Craig fully hates, hates the movie, because I, I think there's probably a lot of things that he's going to say that I can agree with. I have several uh, several things that like come up in the movie and it's like well that doesn't make sense or it's a pretty big nit to pick or whatever and you and you can poke a lot of holes in it but i i don't think there's enough of those for me to dislike the movie or to not fall under what what you said ted with the last yeah the last half hour of the movie or whatever like it's it's there and it's good and once the biggest nitpick i have and this is going to piss Jake off beyond no ends is when they pick up Archie Graham uh-huh. motherfuckers from 1922. And he just, he's not at all intimidated by a freeway that he's hitchhiking <laughs> on. Uh, <it> is. <laughs> just, just content. Volkswagen bug van pulls up. He's cool. Yeah. Doesn't even ask what kind of car it is. Just gets but, in. 
there's some, I mean, you already had to accept like imaginary or real time travel or something that happened too. So, I mean, I don't know, like those things, like you can, you can pick at that stuff, but it's like, that's just part of what they're doing in the movie to me. You just have to deal with it. You know, what's funny is none of those things really bother me. Every movie takes liberties. Right. I mean, I I don't get pissed that they show Shoeless Joe Jackson as a right handed hitter from the Bronx as opposed to a left handed hitter from South Carolina. Can like, you whatever. imagine if that movie's made now? Oh, yeah. Twitter it? would tear it apart. <laughs> like, like that doesn't bother me. I don't care that there is a scene showing the sun setting over left field and the sun rising over left field. I'm fine with that because that's in there, by the way. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you sure you're fine with that? No, it's, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Look, I'm not hey, continuity things and little fact things. I, I I'm a comic book movie guy, but I'm not that kind of comic book movie guy. Who's like, actually, you know, this happened there. Here's my big thing with it. Um. The central conflict of this movie is about Ray Kinsella and his dad, John, having this rift. And then John dies. And then later on, Ray is trying to sort of make an atonement and a reproachment and sort of like reconnect with his father. And that's the that's the emotional core here, right? Is things that have been lost, fathers to sons. I, I get that. That's a important thing look i've got an elderly father who's been sick so i get it i've got a son i understand those dynamics that's what's going on with this movie that's the central thing here they don't give a shit about the story though the movie itself doesn't care it tells you what the rift between kevin costner and his father was they had a brief argument over shoeless joe jackson when kevin costner's character was like a teenager okay fine um and that's it. <laughs> that's that's the alpha and omega of their rift is that Kevin Costner did not think that Shoeless Joe Jackson was a hero and that his father thought that the guy from 40 years previously should have been thought of as a hero by his kid. And then they didn't talk anymore. And Kevin Costner goes off to college and he goes to the farm and, and then his dad dies. Okay, that's the rift that needs to be settled. Okay, by the way, that's, that's not a final real part of the rift. But, but they don't explain what the other part is. There is nothing in the movie. If you look at everything in the movie, they don't talk about it. There could be stuff there. There The mom dies. The mom slash wife dies when Kevin Costner is a baby or whatever. They don't talk about it. There's no explanation of it. That would be something that would actually be an interesting conflict. They don't talk about it. They lazily want you to bring your own daddy baggage into the movie. They could tell a story about Ray and John Kinsella having a rift that needs to be broached. They don't do it. They just assume that you have enough issues with your father that you'll get it and let them slide. And then to the extent they do fill in the rift, it's this weird generational thing, right? They, it's, it's about boomer kids. And when I say boomers, I'm talking about how boomers were thought of in the 80s as far as idealistic 60s counterculture kids like Ray Kinsella's character is supposed to be. They show a scene with him like a Berkeley sweater, right? He's supposed to be kind of a hippy-dippy kid from the 60s whose greatest generation father did not understand him. And they, they sort of make it as a conflict between his values and his dad's values. And the entire movie is Kevin Costner's values are supposed to be completely set aside and his father's values are supposed to be vindicated. They even use the word penance 
Terrence Mann has this speech about, you know, James Earl Jones character. You are here to pay penance, Ray. That's what this is about. What's he paying penance for? What he do other than tell his dad he didn't like his baseball hero? They say nothing in the movie. And so that's what I get on this thing about this movie is like this weird conservative thing about how young people need to respect their elders. They need to defer their values to their elders' values, and they need to just do whatever their dad's like. That's really the message here, because there's not a scene here that explains how Kevin Costner's dad had a fight about anything other than Joe Jackson. There's not an explanation, even in passing, about real issues that fathers and sons in the real world have. It's all about, you didn't like your dad's baseball player, and now you have different values, and you need to now bury yourself in nostalgia and pretend it's 1920 again. And I don't get it. Tez, you haven't talked. Go ahead. No, I just, I, I can definitely get that it, because like you said, Craig, they kind of just, uh, they brush over like everything of his upbringing as like a, I think it's just one sentence of like, his John did the best he could or something like that. And right. then it's, then it's, yeah, then they have a and baseball fight. And then, I mean, that's the question. Did he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the mom knows? died. Was he a good father? Or was he a shitty father? If they, if they, if their never talk again fight was over Joe Jackson, I'm sorry. That's a shitty father. Yeah. They like say something like, that's when I said the meanest thing I ever could say. And I thought like, it's going to be something like deep, right? Like, <laughs> like, like I wish you had died instead type shit. Right. You know? that, that would be real. Like if they had a thing like that and if like the Joe Jackson thing was just sort of like a placeholder, like we could argue about that because that's not emotional, but our real issue was, you know, your mother and everything else. I don't know. I, I've got a 16 year old son. We don't see eye to eye on everything. If my son came up to me and said, Greg Maddox sucked. You know what? I'd be like, okay, fine. I don't care. It's like, okay. Can I make a little bit of an argument to say? Go go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm being a dick. Go ahead. No, you're not being a dick. I mean, you're not wrong about what you're saying, but I I will try and counter that, your argument with. So they say the, he did the best he could. And then they kind of talk about how their relationship was centered around baseball. And um, there was finally kind of a breaking point. Uh, where Ray was like, no. And he was like, I'm done with that or whatever at 14 or whatever it was. Right. So Mm -hmm. they kind of set up the, his dad did the best he could after his mom died and their connection was baseball. Mm -hmm. And at some point, whether it was just because of rebellion, because he really didn't like it, which I think it was more likely the teenager thing. Sure. um, He then, and then, so that kind of sets up, that is kind of the connection between the two. And then the, yes, I agree that the whole calling Joe Jackson a criminal thing isn't like calling him a piece of shit or a bad dad or whatever. But then that is like the, hey, your favorite part of this connection that we had. Yeah, he's a criminal and a bad person and I don't like it. And I get that. That's that's big. I guess I think where I come into this and, and I will totally cop to this being my personal values coming into this. I don't think it's the job of kids to go back and I don't care how old they are, whether they're, you know, 35, like Kevin Costner is supposed to be here or whether they're young or whether they're older. I don't think it's the job of kids to go back and please their parents in the way their parents exactly wanted to be pleased. I think it's the job of parents to let the kids become the people they're supposed to become and you to meet them on their own ground. You have lived your life. They are now living their life. And if my kids and I, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to go, you know, listen to 
post Malone or something, but it's like, if my kids and I have a disagreement about something, um, I'm going to meet them on their ground. I think it's the job of the older generation to defer to the younger generation and let their values go forward because they're the future and we're not. And the entire message of Field of Dreams is this backwards looking, you now need to sacrifice everything you're about. And look, let's be honest here. At the beginning of this movie, Ray's a happy guy. Ray's got a good wife. He's got a good kid. He's a pretty happy dude. He's got a farm he's living on. Uh, it's not like he's living with regrets. He is yanked back into this old dispute by a ghost. And the rest of the movie is aimed at him now pleasing his dead father. And it's not just him pleasing his dead father. It's also, we're going to yank other people into this. We're going to yank James Earl Jones into this. And we're going to turn this radical 60s writer into somebody who becomes a shill for nostalgic you know, capitalism. It's weird, right? Think, think of like a 60s radical writer, black activist, who all of a sudden is going to give this heartfelt speech about we're going to now charge people $20 a carload for nostalgia. I mean, there's this entire message of the movie that everybody who is young now needs to stop their lives and serve the old. And that just bothers me because I don't think that's how the world's supposed to work. And in 1989, when this movie was made, that message was important because that was the that was a ongoing, and I'm old, so I remember this, but that was an ongoing sort of social dispute. The people of like the World War II generation were getting up there. And we were in the middle of what was at that point a good 10 to 20 year backlash against the 60s generation. And this movie was sort of an end of the Reagan era conversation ender about, okay, you've had your fun for 20 years of being counterculture people, but now it's time for you to return to home and serve us old big, people. Big adult, you know, do what we yeah. say. Exactly. And, and that just pisses me off. So I don't know. That's what just gets me about this movie in a lot of ways. I don't think you're wrong about, so I'll be short about this. I don't think you're wrong about that. I just put it back in the context of the t the generations it was about is really what I do. And that's why I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's how these people would interact and think. That's the only reason I don't take and it. I really you know, and I think you're that. right. I think you're right. And I think in a lot of ways, this movie won in that, you know, look at what boomers have sort of become, right? Boomers sort of like, they had their 60s activism when they were young and then they sort of did their 70s lost thing and then they did their 80s let's make a lot of money thing and now they're old and they're in their 70s and stuff and they've totally now retreated back um and so that was like you know that was the arc that actually happened and i'm going way too deep into that part of it there's i mean this movie isn't about politics but like that that subtext I uh, they're burning out. books it's absolutely about politics <laughs> well yeah that's true that's true they, <laughs> and i will say they give they give amy, amy madigan that big scene right at the at the school board meeting and she gets this big like emotional like we're not going to burn books we need to like you know look forward and stuff and that, that was like a very emotional scene and people when i talk about this movie's inherent conservatism people say well what about the amy madigan scene and I'm like, that's a great scene. And then as soon as it's over, Kevin Costner goes up to her and basically says, that's great, babe. I got to leave and go talk to this old writer. And then it's just <laughs> dropped for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, like the backpack back about 10 minutes ago. His, his <laughs> wife, his wife is the most understanding wife in about any movie I've ever seen. Oh, oh. it's a ghost talking to you? Go to Boston. Sure. That's fine. I, I can't, like, man. I can't go to the mall without my wife giving me crap. Are you kidding me? 
I noticed that this show we've been watching is five minutes into the next episode. Uh, you'd like to explain that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. I, I just left it on. I fell asleep. No, no. Go to Boston in a van. Okay, that's fine. Every time I like watch a, a movie or something like this, where I have an like, old car, and I, Craig, you're not much older than I am. All I can think about is like driving 1,500 miles without cruise control. How <laughs> awful that would be. Do you watch Stranger Things? <laughs> I do. Did uh, you see the new season? I did. Uh, I think we all have. I don't know if Sean watches yeah. the show. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm not going to spoil anything, but like there is a there is a part, a big part of the storyline where they're basically driving about 4,000 miles through the American West in like an early 80s Volkswagen van again yeah. that was a pizza delivery truck. So it obviously has already been ridden hard. There's no way that car makes that journey in that movie. Crazy. Yeah, driven by teenagers the whole way. Absolutely oh, yeah, forget not. it. High <laughs> teenagers too. Still phrasing. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, but like, all right. So I one thing that like stuck out in me this the last this rewatch I just watched, and I've never thought about this before. And I know it doesn't make sense because at some point they mentioned that Terrence's brother son is looking for him. Mm-hmm. But are we sure he's not a ghost this whole time? Who Terrence? Yeah. He goes into the field. Like he only talks to Ray the whole movie. Terrence Man. Oh, I never noticed that. I mean, they literally have... they picked up two other ghosts in that car. Okay, I never thought about that. I'll give you that. It's pretty interesting. But he doesn't you... talk he doesn't talk to a costner's wife, does he? They do with the thing, but she also talks to the ghosts. So that oh, would... yeah, yeah, yeah. At the field, all bets are off. I guess he is talking to the brother, yeah. which is 100% in the correct. The brother in this movie, who's the villain, which makes no sense. Like, he has these two dudes that look like rental FBI agents come to harass <laughs> the wife about a, a farm. T- like, Timothy Busfield is the secret hero of this movie. I will <laughs> die on my, you know, no, just kidding. The most impressive part of this movie is how the fact that he, like, walks across that pitch and the guy swings and he doesn't get hit. In yeah. 1988, which I imagine they had a time, right? <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious that shit is impressive that's not bad actually I, and, he does, and he doesn't flinch so he has to know the ball is not hitting him that's an interesting my 10 year old can't run the second about flinching because he thinks the baseball is gonna hit him and he has a helmet on <laughs> i've not thought about that at all yeah i mean that would be interesting but if anything, though, then it's just another thing in the movie they didn't like totally flesh out. But I'll I'll give it that. Like I, I'm not gonna hate completely because I will say some nice things about this movie. Um, I will say that is an interesting point. That that very well could be an interesting point. Um, in fact, it's almost now. I almost want to rewatch it to see if it changes anything. <laughs> looking at it through that that lens. I guess they do. They do when they're arguing in front of the concession stand. I guess you could say. But Ray could be talking to himself. But they're they're also they pretty loose about the the rules, and I'm I'm fine with that. Like I don't think ghost rules need to be like laid down in stone. I already told you I'd burnt the house down if I heard a voice. Like if I hear a yeah, voice, exactly. I'm, like, I'm not sticking around. I'm doing the baseball thing. It's going it's going in the dirt. Look, like, I'm 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 like this. Is not like gremlins. It's not like we got three rules that you have to listen to. I mean, I'm really willing to let them do whatever they want with the ghost. My my issues with this movie are not about the magical realism stuff. I'll also say I think the performances in this movie are very good. I think every actor in this movie does a good job. Burt Lancaster knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Um, I think he's. I think did, he's. Did you know uh, who they originally wanted for that part? No. Jimmy Stewart. Oh, that would have been so great. I guess he was just retired. Retired by then. I don't know. That's a, yeah, because he was he was pretty near death, I think. But um, 
he would have been great, but Burt Lancaster does a great job. Um, Costner does a good job. Uh, James Earl Jones does a good job. I think they all do a good job. Um, so, so it's well made. So this is just me being dumb. And this will get Jake a reason to like shake his head at me. You said magical realism a few times tonight. Mm-hmm. What movies would that encompass? Uh, is this like Big Fish? Is that like a yeah, magical? yeah? B- Big Fish is a great example. Uh, that, that one makes me cry. Oh, well, okay. God, I I got a Big Fish story. I'll I'll get to that in a minute. But um, <laughs> Amelie, remember that Amelie movie? I've um, never seen that, but I've seen I saw I, I know what you're talking about. So I worked at Blockbuster in 2000. And one, and that was on DVD. Yeah, I know, that, I know. That's one. Um, God, I'm I'm now blanking. There's a bunch of them though, but like it's a it's a literary thing, obviously too. But just anything where it's not hardcore sci-fi, but where little magical supernatural things happen, and everybody just kind of rolls with it. I mean, that's basically the magical realism thing. Big Fish is probably the best example I can think of that a lot of people would know. But it's the same sort of thing. And I know in Big Fish, a lot of it, they play it as like flashbacks of an unreliable narrator. And he's telling tall tales. But at the end of Big Fish, they make it clear that maybe there was some realism to it. Um, That that idea of maybe there's something more going on and maybe there's something magical happening. Maybe there's something from another dimension. Um, There are people that hate that kind of thing. And when I say I hate Field of Dreams, the first attack on me is always, well, you must not have a good relationship with your father. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not true. (laughs) People take this real personally, by the way. People really own this movie on a very emotional level. I feel like they can't do that anymore. They fucking sold it out to the Major League Baseball for a game last time. I feel like... It doesn't matter. Anything you... any, Any, like... Place you could stand on about how like this is like the movie sacred, that, like, yeah, right. <laughs> like the White Sox and the Yankees played there last year. Like I know I it was it. a shitty game too. I mean, it ended well. I will say the the game ended well. But I I, I didn't watch it because I was in the Ozarks. I had to look it up today. Like see if the bleachers are like I didn't know they like kept the bleachers there. At one point, the corporation that bought that place wanted to turn turn into a sports complex with like four different baseball fields. Yeah, it's it's a commercial enterprise. I mean. I, we we can't get too holier than thou about it. I can't think of any pop culture thing that I consider really important to me that on some level isn't just a crazy a craven commercial thing. I mean, there's a lot of it. So I, I won't get too crazy about it. But um, you know, that doesn't bother me. The magical realism doesn't bother me. Um, but those are the things that I get attacked for. People will tell me, Oh, you must just not have it. I mean, I'm fine with that. That's that's all that's all cool. I'm I'm fine with the fun stuff. I also wonder. And like we run this problem a lot. Like you mentioned Bull Durham mm-hmm. and don't ever go back and listen to our Bull Durham podcast. Cause we, we are not great fans of that movie. Um, I like it, but like, I get the problems with it. When, no, when was the last time you watched Bull Durham from start uh, to finish? Like, like two years ago, probably from start to finish. If you started it, you finished it. Yeah. Two years ago. Oh shit. Never mind. <laughs> Cause that movie's like an SNL skit. It has like four or five really good parts. I think a lot of people like remember those I think chunks. you're right. No, I think you're right about it. There are there are vignettes in that movie that like every everyone remembers him talking to her about the, you know, I believe in this and I believe in that scene. Everyone remembers the, you know, him wearing garters and, and just all kinds of other things. And there's a lot of drag in that movie. And I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. I just, there's a vibe to it. I just no, kind of like. And I'm not trying to like turn it up. I'm like, I feel like this movie kind of falls in that thing from like 89 to like, I don't know, say 2000. Like if, if you were a certain age, this movie was just in your consciousness. Mm-hmm. But I'd be curious to see like all these half these people that are in your mentions whenever you, you trash it, 
when the last time they sat down and watched this movie. Yeah, like, I don't know. I never really talked to him about that. I <laughs> what I tend to get a lot of is well, my father died five years ago and so this movie was important to me so you just don't get it i'm like okay i'm not gonna like tell you not to feel what you feel my god jesus christ this is my, my level of this is not that's when you like that's when you respond be like was it your dad or was it like yondu and garden of the galaxy your dad? <laughs> like what version <laughs> we're sorry i've been holding that back ever since you have gotten to the dad thing i was like i just watched cardians too my youngest <laughs> Yeah, like dads door. are overrated, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, so. I am not going to tell anyone that if it's really important to you on an emotional level that you shouldn't like it or that you're wrong, right? Come on, that's not how art works. That's not how anything works. I'm just like criticizing it as a movie. Um, but what happens is like an opposite thing in that I'm told that I must not have a good relationship with my dad or I don't get what I'm like, come on, that's ridiculous. I can hate the movie as a movie. And I will say I have a wonderful relationship with my dad and he's getting like, does he like Pillow dreams? No, no, he's not my, so that's the other thing. And so this is what kind of undercuts me. My parents don't do sports really in any way. My dad's a college football fan, but he never watched baseball, never cared about baseball, never played baseball to the extent he was interested in baseball it was because I was interested in it, but it was just more of a, I'm going to support my kid. There was no father to son handing down baseball from him to me. Um, so I will grant that maybe I don't get something on a certain level that other people get. Um, but like, you know, it's possible to have a great relationship with your father that has nothing to do with that. And it's also possible for your father to pass baseball down to you and for you to bond over baseball and for you guys to have a real shitty relationship too. <laughs> <laughs> because maybe you're just like putting everything in baseball and ignoring all the substance. Yeah. And like, another thing I like about this movie is like this whole Sheila Joe Jackson was dead. This is like in 19, what is he, 11, 69, 60s. Like, yeah. He couldn't watch clips of Jackson. It's not like his dad could sit down and be like, so. Like I said, that, that, that whole part is flimsy. Well, I know there's a thing like, so they want to, I think they even explain it in the beginning. His father was like a considerably older father. Like I think his dad was supposed to be like 50 or something when Costner was born. Um, yeah. they, there's some reference to that. And that's one of my issues because they show like a picture, like this little weird 1988 Photoshop picture of like young Kevin Costner with his dad. But the dad in the picture looks like he's 25. But based on the narration and the, the voiceover, it's, his dad was supposed to be much older. So his dad was old enough to know things that were going on in 1919 and to be crestfallen by the Black Sox scandal, but also to have a kid in the 40s, which is when Kevin Costner's character was supposed to be born. No, uh, it's, been, it's been the 50s. Yeah, probably 50s. Yeah. I think they said 50s. I, 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 spent, I spent too much time trying to figure out how he got married in 74, and then he says his daughter came along a few years later, and she's yeah. still like eight in 89. It's just like it's like I guess you just glossed over a whole decade. It's a little weird, and then there's a there's definitely a sense that he was supposed to be a Berkeley student in the '60s, so he could have been born in the early '50s. Then Jesus Christ, you said that, yeah. So he had been fucking. He did say he was at Berkeley in the '60s, didn't he? Yeah, but he also said he was born in '52. So like that would a lot of the math is like (laughs) it's it's on edge, I guess. But like that would make him like 36, 37. Did they ever say this movie is set in '89? Did they ever say when this movie is set? 
Well, he wears very high dad jeans, so I'm guessing it has to be 88, 89. <laughs> and these two wouldn't know because they were born in the 90s. I don't so think they I ever actually. Eighty nine, but yeah. God, I was born in 1973. I remember what 1988, <laughs> 89 was like viscerally. So no, I think that, I think it's modern. I think they got that right. And they go to a ball game, and it seems like it's a pretty modern time. What were you saying, Jake? Oh, I was just saying, I know that there's a couple things in there. I didn't like get super in depth trying to work the years out, but I mean, like when he goes back to 72, it's like 20, he says something like 20 years ago. So it's, yeah, it's late eighties that they're, it's supposed to be. And I I don't know if they ever specifically say the year, but I think just based on fashions and like cars and things like that, it seems like it's about the right time. Okay. So I feel like this movie would be a good one to try pulling the, how would you recast it now? Oh, and considering that they had like a, a TV show they tried doing that got scrapped. And I, I would love to see the plot of that TV show. I think it's on. still, it might still happen. Because, no, it got, it got canceled. I saw well, it on Twitter a few days ago. Well, yeah, well, Peacock. So what happened was Michael it, it Schur. It had problematic tweets. Well, yeah, the, the guy who is doing it is Michael Schur, the guy who did The Good Place and Parks and Rec and those shows. Like he's got like this big time development deal with NBC. He's a big deal. And it was just a matter of Peacock said no to it. That was like the first look and it was supposed to be on Peacock, but he has an independent development deal where, so now he can shop it to other networks. So it would not shock me if it still happens, but just not where it was supposed to. I just, if it's a show, I literally want to be about a person that owns the field and the upkeep of what, <laughs> of the movie. Cause I don't know how you make this a show. I'm willing to give it a chance. That was one thing when that first came out, a bunch of people, and every time Field of Dreams is in the news for any reason, I get like 57 people tweeting me saying, Hey, Craig, you, you hate life. Here's this. I literally, I literally tag you in a tweet every time I see it, just so you get out of here. I know you here. do, yeah. And, but I'm, I'm prepared to give it a chance because I don't think the basic idea is a bad one. I think the problem with the movie was execution, not the idea. And so I'm willing to give a baseball magical realism, a field that transports old players to new and modern people in some ways you know connect with it and something magical happens to them that's emotional i'm willing to give that a chance that could happen i mean hell the good place which is another show that same guy did should have not worked on paper but it was a great show so good so good right so i'm willing to give it a chance if you're going to recast it let's say as a movie now i don't know how it could be anyone but like paul rudd i I have an answer and once i tell my answer you're gonna be like of course that'd make perfect sense so it's probably better than that go ahead well, the other two have a chance. Um, it's my answer for everything. I have Paul Rudd's a good, I think a pretty good answer. Um, I don't know. I don't think Chris Pratt turns down. It has to be Chris Pratt. <laughs> you put all of his like religious shit in there. This has to be a Chris Pratt movie. I don't know if he's smart enough, man. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, I love Chris Pratt. Like, you know, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. And again, he was in Parks and Rec, so Mike sure knows him. So well, he's the fucking new Mario voice, so you better love him. Yeah, he's a, he's everywhere. Um, I could see him doing certain parts of it, but like, I, even though I don't always love Kevin Costner and stuff, I get the sense that he's a pretty bright dude. He might be an asshole, but he's a pretty bright dude. And uh, I, I just wonder if Chris Pratt, like deep down inside, is smart enough. I feel terrible for saying that, but it's kind of true. I mean, like, I just feel like this is a Chris Pratt role. I just, I just see it. If they made it comedic, I could see that. Bradley Cooper. He's too old, Doug. I guess the thing, like, it's hard to like find an actor at thirty-five because we don't know any. He's too big too. Bradley Cooper, I think, is too like 
got too much like gravitas to him now because he's done some big. Let's roles. just toss him in the decent one. What about okay. Krasinski? <laughs> AJ? <laughs> John Chris, what? How, Chris, <laughs> John Chris, oh, Krasinski. Krasinski. Yeah. yeah. And he's oh, I, thought, I thought you were saying AJ Krasinski. I'm like, oh, I, think, no. I, I think I'm on I'm board yeah, with AJ Krasinski. I'm terrible at this. Actually, AJ would be great. He'd come up there and be like, fucking ghosts. I don't care. <laughs> I'll punch so, them too. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen how big Kyle Farnsworth is these days? Oh Stay my man. God. He's ripped. He's huge. Like, he's like scary rip, not like scary, like alleyway rip, like scary that like, I don't know how he walks without tearing something in his thighs. He, he got swole, yo. Like, I don't know how he puts pants on. His thighs he, are still. He's Cal Farnsworth. What does he care? He's like, I'll walk around with no pants. Oh my like, Lord. Yeah. Did you just, just, just look that up? Videos. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? So like a big bodybuilder now. That that doesn't surprise me. He was always like the most intense dude ever. And then I was like, okay, if he got into that, that's that. And if he got into like needlepoint, he would have the biggest, most audacious needlepoint. It's like that's <laughs> Kyle Farnsworth. He's one of the like the last good oh. baseball fights was when he tackled that dude and just like straight up. Oh yeah, no. he was he was no joke. I can say that because I haven't watched baseball for much just because I won a World Series. Sorry, Sean. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When the yes. Guardians gave a three to one lead. Um <laughs> that was that was a bad day. <laughs> that was a bad day. I'm still going through it, but one day, one day you, we'll. Do you own it. any Guardians gear yet? I do not. I I have refused to at least buy it for myself this year. Um, and I think three other people have bought me baseball stuff this year, and none of it's clear. Just to be clear, Craig, it's not because of the name changes because he just hates the team that he. Oh, well, that's for. fair. Yeah. That's fair. So I live in Ohio, but I have no love for the Indians slash Guardians because, like, just they were never my team. They're still not my team. I don't hate them, but I don't give a crap. Um, I have a Cleveland hat. Someone got. I mean, I'm bald, so I have lots of hats, but um. Someone got me a Cleveland. It was a, still an Indians hat, but it was the Block C one. Yeah. And so I can I wear that one a lot now just because I like the color. It's a good fitting hat and whatever. But that's the only thing I own. And then we have the AAA team for the Guardians is here where I live in Columbus. It's the Columbus Clippers. And so I have some of their gear, which kind of, if you just didn't read it, but just see the font and see the colors, it looks like Guardian stuff. But no, I don't know any of that crap either. I don't give a crap. <laughs> Anyway, so all right, what's um I don't want to let Craig go away yet, but let's empty the notebooks and then I want to talk about like just baseball movies not getting made in general. Unless we want, unless Craig has more ranting about Field of Dreams. I, I mean I could go on for three hours, but no, I <laughs> I th- I think I have hit all of my big points. So I just can't believe that you don't get goosebumps at any part of this movie. I'm a sucker. Okay, I will tell you right now. In I got, almost- I, got I got them twice. In almost every movie, I am the biggest pushover sucker, softy. Even if it's shitty, you get to the end if like the music swells and they go to that soft focus and a big thing happens, they, it'll get me. I don't care. I mean, I freaking cried in an Avengers movie. Are you kidding me? It's like I'm terrible about this stuff. Um, but I think what happened with Field of Dreams is I was so angry about the stuff that came before that it didn't get me, even though in most other movies where I wouldn't have cared enough, it would have. And I, I understand why why it gets people. I don't think less of people who get emotional at this movie because I realize that most of this is my problems and my hangups. But 
Um, nah, just nothing, nothing works for me. And it. it just never gets me. I, in fact, I get pissed at the end. <laughs> well, it's hard though. Like, cause like, and let's do another podcast about this earlier today. Like it's kind of tough though, because as this movie was made baseball, you know, when a strike, they had the steroid shit and then, you know, all this other shit. Like, it's not like the whole speech in this movie about how baseball stays constant. It's the one good thing we have in life. And now it's like, but is, is it? it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, it has to be a movie that was made before the mid nineties. Um, because I mean, everything's fragmented now and, you know, baseball is like everything else got more of a niche audience than it used to have. It's no longer I, the national. Like I told you earlier, I could not tell you the last Cubs highlight that I watched. You could put a gun to my head and ask me to name any Cub in the starting lineup. And I'm going to stop at Wilson Contreras, Contreras and just tell you to shoot me. It's called, it's called a day. I mean, the fact that you don't know Patrick Wisdom is not a knock on you as well, a fan. No, it's, just, it's, a I, knock, it's a knock on how baseball is right now. It's not now. like I don't love baseball. Like I coached my son's uh, seven, eight, nine-year-old team this year. I like to watch my kids' little league team, but like, A, I don't have time to watch baseball. And B, it's impossible in Iowa to watch baseball. Yeah. Like, oh, God, you guys are blacked out from like 10 teams or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And so I think that it had to have been made no later than the late 80s because baseball's fragmented and it's no longer that thing. I don't think we have anything approaching. And I'm a baseball writer and I'm a, like a big rah-rah well, dude for baseball. But I, I have to fully admit, baseball just doesn't have the conversation. And football, to the extent it does, because, I mean, the NFL and college football are way more of our national pastime than anything. It doesn't have the emotional sort of part to it in the same way that baseball does. Um, it's a very different vibe, even though it's a dominant cultural thing. So I don't know that you could do this with almost anything now. I actually, well, I, well, that, was, that, was, that was a discussion I had. It's like, at most you could say sports in general, but like, what sport are you picking? I, I mean, I know you- You could do right. maybe college football? Do you not follow me? You follow me on Twitter. You see what's happening in college football. Oh, right I know. Now. Yeah, I know. It's, it's <laughs> I, feel like like, I'm, I feel like I'm like the one person on your timeline. You're like, what the fuck is Ted talking about? Really? No, I was going to say, I was going to say, welcome Big Ten country, but that's everybody now. So no, no, we don't get that invite. We don't, we don't, we're not, we're not cool enough to sit at that table. No, um, it's, it's fine. It's, you're, you're cool. It's like, you, like, you, like, you, like, you, you and Boise State, State are having fun. It's fine. <laughs> I like Boise State. But uh, anyway, like, the, the lesser states are out there doing their so, thing. So what is, is there still a pure sport in America that like no. you can make? There never was, but there isn't even pretending that. I, I mean, honestly, I think this, I mean, you can all skewer me, but like, I kind of feel like possibly the NBA, if you don't like, but I think no, it's, you it's, have to go. You have to go find something that isn't generating a bunch of money to find anything that's anything close to pure anymore. I don't even know if that exists. I I guess the the thing with the MLS? NBA, the NBA has something going on with it in that it has fans that generally love it, as opposed to fans who sit around and talk shit about it all the time, which is kind of like. I, I, I grant that I'm not a big football fan, but like my timeline every NFL Sunday is nothing but fan hardcore fans of teams talking shit about their team, even if they're winning 35 to 12. I wouldn't know that I'm a Bears fan. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know. That's true. And, you know, I was a hardcore college football fan until about 10 years ago. And 
I, I still remember that and I still live in Columbus, Ohio. So I know how that all works. Was the, the trail prior tattoo was your line too far? You just didn't do it. <laughs> and I hung, I hung on a little bit after that. I think, uh, no, that was just a personal thing, but like, you know, it was definitely the Jim Trussell era. Um, I just, I don't know that there's like a, a great love thing. Cause it like even NBA fans realize that like the players in certain well, you, ways, you said you live in Columbus. Yeah. They have an MLS team, team right? It might be that. It's like, it, it, what's the fans look like for that? Like, do you, like, does that stadium sell out? Like, oh yeah, all the time. It's 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 huge. It's like it doesn't capture the whole city, right? There are like two million people that live here, so it's not like at any like spring practice will to- if if the crew the the MLS team and a couple years ago they were if the crew are playing for the MLS championship. And there is a key injury on the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes will have the entire sports section and the crew will be on like page seven. Um, So it doesn't like take over anything, but there is a huge passionate fan base for MLS almost in every city that has an MLS team, Portland, LA, everywhere that they, they sell out. uh, They're rabid. It is, it's pure in a way that I don't know that any of the other sports are, but it's still niche. Um, 30,000 people or 20,000 people might show up to an MLS game and go absolutely crazy in ways that no one goes crazy for anything else, but it's still only 20,000 people. But like, I don't know when that season is, but like if, when is that season? It's uh spring summer. And then uh, like their championship is like into the fall. Into like- so like what you're saying is like, on a, if they play on a Saturday and the Buckeyes are playing, you're not going to go to the bar. No, you have to ask for them to devote one TV in the corner. Can you please put on the crew game? Okay. So it doesn't have that sort of, it doesn't have that moment of like the entire city is coming together over it, but the people who are into it are really into it. Why do you think that is? You think it's because the internet or like, like, why do you think all these sports no longer, I don't say quote unquote fun, but we just all trashed our favorite baseball team. Jake is a Cubs fan. Sean's a Cleveland fan. Like, we're all. I mean, why? Like, and like, and it even works for bait. Like, it works for sports movies. That's what I was trying to get to. Like, we're all too smart. I, I, and and I don't mean that like jokingly. We're we know more now than we ever did. We we all know. Like, if you were a Cubs fan in the '60s, you didn't know every single thing that like whoever the equivalent of Tom Ricketts was then did. You didn't know every conversation that Jed Hoyer had about a player. You didn't know everything weird about the personal life of your third baseman or whatever. It was like, you didn't engage on that level. And so it was easy to not become cynical about a sports team. If all you were watching was the sports or reading the articles or yeah. Right. So all we know now, we we know everything now, you know, every little thing warts and all, and it's very hard to just watch the game, enjoy the game in a weird, pure way because we're too savvy. We're too smart. We're too informed. And the more, you know, about it, the dirtier it becomes because you know about the money and you know about the, you know, you know, that the Ricketts family cares more about developing Wrigleyville than they care about putting a winner on the field. You know, that's when the Senate were the fuck they were doing. Yeah. You, you, you know, that the freaking governor of Nebraska or whoever he is, is like, you know, a piece of shit. And it's just like the, the lack of knowledge uh, makes it more possible to be a pure fan. And it's hard to have that lack of knowledge. now. Sometimes I wonder if the Cubs put it all together and I'm going to ask Jake this, if I would get re-engaged, Jake, do you think if like all of a sudden they were 
20 games over 500, you would get reengaged, or you think you're just at this point, you're just far checked out? Yeah, I think if the team was good, uh, I think it would draw most of us back in. But it would also probably have to come on a turnaround of like the leadership seemingly making intelligent <laughs> decisions or decisions that are leading to the winning also. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think all of us would always have our if you really wanted to talk about it, we would have our issues with the ownership and all of those things and not still not like them, but we wouldn't be sitting here talking about how you have, how you could name anybody outside of Wilson Contreras on the team. Well, they have that guy that got from Japan that I can spell his name by. Say Suzuki. Yeah. <sighs> hey, inside the park home run the other day, didn't he? Um, sure, you, you tell me. <laughs> <You're nice. laughs> it would be different. So it's funny because like, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, but like, you know, if you have a pure fandom when you're a kid, I, I'll go to the Tigers, I guess, because I was a big Tigers fan when I was a kid and 84 happened. I was 11 years old. Um, it was this huge, wonderful thing. Um, when the 20, you know, 10 to 2015 Tigers were like really good every year and they won a couple of pennants and the whole deal people my age who were Tigers fans were into it and they got involved and they really got into it in a big, big way. But they also had this back of their mind thing of like, well, yeah, it's because the owner's spending a lot of money now, but he might not spend money in the future or yeah, well, they got this guy. It was always different now. Um, so if the Cubs got really good again, you'd probably get re-engaged, but it'd be conditional and you know that it's going to go away. And so that purity that you had as a younger Cubs fan, I don't think could ever come back. And, and I mean, cover your ears Sean like they got fucking lucky to win that world series like I don't think I love uh not Dusty Baker the guy just like, Joe, no Joe Madden Madden like he did oh. everything in his power to manage them out of that world he tried series. to lose it <laughs> as much as he could and boy Cleveland just wouldn't let him do it I'm sorry Hendricks is a full count yeah we're yanking him enough. <laughs> but anyways all right so Jake or Sean, is there anything left in your uh, your notebook before I I want to pick Craig's brain about baseball movies in general? I didn't have much outside of uh, this was I couldn't tell you the last time I sat down and watched Field of Dreams beginning to end. Like it's one of those movies that it's like etched in my brain from being a kid. So it goes. Was there parts that you had forgotten? I don't think so. I pretty well knew the movie front to back because again i've seen it you know probably 20 times in my life if not more um but it just it went quicker than i thought uh i it was which i get you know was good made it a lot easier to sit through today but um, <laughs> all movies go quicker now than these yeah it's under two uh, hours thor love and thunder it went and saw it today under two hours <laughs> i'm <fucking> so happy <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, the only other thing I had was I think we need to go back to a time when you could get two hot dogs and two beers at a baseball stadium for $7. What the <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> about you, Jake? I didn't have a lot. I mean, uh, I had a couple, like, just the, the nitpicky type things that crossed my mind as you're going through it. So, like, Based on the height of the corn at the start of the movie, <laughs> and when he t- and when he plows go, the corn just on, go, go pure Iowa. Just go how straight did into- he grow? How did he grow grass on the field 
basically in the middle of summer. That like he grew perfect grass in the middle of summer. And that's not really a thing. I mean, maybe, but anyway. Like a sod farm can't even do that. Also, yeah, it's, not a thing, this, it's not a thing you do. He but. spent money to put fucking lights up, but he can't buy metal bleachers. <laughs> he has to build the bleachers, but he can't, he can't, like, I, all I can think about is like, how much money, like the field costs a lot, but putting those lights up had a cost. My son's seven, eight, nine-year-old field does not have lights. And he so, fucking puts lights up. That was another thing that I had on here. And it wasn't like about the cost or anything. But when he comes back from his trip, it's nighttime. And the, sodi- the sodium or whatever. I think they're like sodium, something about sodium lights, whatever. You see them in gyms and stuff. Like they have to power up and yada, yada. But they have, they just have them on. And they're, <laughs> and they're, and the, the players the wife, are all playing, is, right? the wife and is there her brothers they're like you're bankrupt and they're gonna take the house and and they have the freaking lights on like <laughs> if you're that broke shut the lights off at night unless you know that you need to turn them on tell the ghosts only day games allowed <laughs> we we need a real revisionist movie version of this movie where like the wife and him really get into it and she's like what the hell are you doing Trey, we, we are 10 years away from this movie about barry bonds country goddamn cornfield <laughs> I know it's not that different. I'd watch that movie. I mean, put him in the hall. I mean, <laughs> we we were all like, I love how like I was just doing a podcast about this movie today, and they're about like '98 shit. It was Sosa McGuire and how like that movie, like that shit, like ruined. I'm like, fuck that. Both those guys deserve to be in the hall. Like they saved. I understand they wrote it up, but those dudes saved baseball to an extent that summer. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Am I, being, am I being an asshole by saying that? Like, No, it's absolutely true. We enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I was like 25 that year. It was fantastic to this watch. This pearl clutching afterwards of this bullshit, it infuriates me. Let's pretend you didn't enjoy what you enjoyed. Yeah, come on. Right, like Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, put him in the hall. Don't yeah, care. They're, they're complete assholes, but I don't care. It's not the hall but of good literally guys. Literally make it, <laughs> make, make, <laughs> make the hall that they're in about steroids. I'm fine with that. Yeah, put a description on their plaque or whatever that goes along with it about what happened. Like it doesn't. I'm I every year that goes by and Sosa doesn't have a statue at Wrigley and his number's not retired. I just get more and more pissed off. I don't understand. That's the one thing I don't get. Like Hall of Fame is his own deal, and I get why they do what they do. You know, he left. But how did the Cubs not embrace that? I know he left badly, but a lot of players leave badly. I mean, Ron Santo left badly. I mean, come on. It's like everybody leaves badly. He also left his legs, but... uh, uh, uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> my all-time favorite Ron Santo story, and I always got to tell this when it gets brought I was, I was driving to a Cubs game, I don't know how many years ago, and, like, they had some Bears Bears player on. And, they're like, this is so-and-so. He's a pro bowler. And and Ron's like, oh, I've never bowled before, but you're a professional bowler? That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> 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 As I go, like, no, Ron, he, he's a he's a football pro, player. pro bowler. <laughs> That's <laughs> <like>, fantastic. <laughs> he's just, just so like confused. He's like, oh, you're a professional bowler. Cool. I can you imagine he's like this huge person in the booth. He's a defensive <laughs> tackle for the Bears, you know. Like, <laughs> Sanders is like, yeah, that's great, you know, whatever. But like, yeah, like I don't understand why the Cubs have not embraced Sosa. It's infuriating. Like, 
Yeah. I, the fans want it too. Like I am, I am in online cub circles and I know Twitter's not real life. I get that. But like they want him there. It, the, the reason why Cubs fans will say, Oh, we don't like Sammy Sosa is because we've had 20 years of like the Cubs and the media saying you shouldn't like Sammy Sosa. Anyone who was around in the late nineties, early two thousands with Sosa cannot say they didn't like that. Love that time. Dude, He has one of the better baseball 9-11 moments when he runs out the flag and that just oh, yeah. it, it gets erased you yeah know? it's 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 a weird ugly sort of thing the way they've sort of like treated i mean i'm not saying he's a great guy i don't know anything about him but it's like you you need to embrace your stars and i don't get why they don't do that but whatever that i think we're too far along for that to ever be fixed to be honest no it's probably not but like all right so all right so this is like before we let you go this is like my we had this topic when we discussed hustle last week on the, the netflix basketball movie i don't know if you watched it craig no, no I didn't see it. it's really good for what it is and like we were just discussing is that how, the steven soderbergh one no no this is the adam sandler one. Oh, oh okay okay which don't let that no no he's fine uncut gems i saw the that, peter once on there see again I That's still get anxiety just thinking about that movie. I saw it once. You're right. It's like you can't. It's like it's like uh, you know. it's a requiem for a dream. I saw yeah, it once. I don't need to see it again. Exactly. Thought it was a great movie. Never watching it again. Yeah. I, in in my younghood, I watched Requiem for a Dream. And then twice, I was like, my friends, you got to watch this movie. It's fucked up. And then every time, I'm like, why did I? Why did I, why did I rewatch that movie? Like, Never gonna happen. Like, <laughs> but uh, so we don't as a group, Sean and Jacob, we don't understand how they don't make sports movies anymore it's infuriating like it's right there and these movies like i just watched the sandlot with my children on fourth of july it's our we do every fourth of july during afternoon we uh go and play in the pool and when we're drying off before fires we watch sandlot and i don't want to remake sandlot but like how do you not make a version of that for five million dollars of nobody actors i i really do think that it boils down to culturally speaking everything is so fragmented there is not a big enough audience to say i either love baseball or i love basketball or i love whatever but they don't make sports movies at all what was the I last know. sports movie you watched that i was... can't even god i can't even think i mean really uncut gems had the most sports move stuff in it of anything i remember in the last five years um but i just think that they you know the idea of well we'll get all the baseball fans to watch this movie well who are the baseball fans or we'll get all the whatever they they just don't have that sort of audience for it or they don't think they do but it's so cheap to make like hustle is basically rocky but basketball i don't know they everybody wants some was basically a sports movie but that was like you know it's my favorite it's my favorite movie in the last 10 years it's a, it's a great movie it's a great movie it's about college baseball i think they can make movies with sports in it but not like a rocky situation where the entire plot is sports they just did it was called hustle it's good i, but I might have to see that it's good, but like, you know, it's all about like, it's not even a basketball movie. It's about this guy who just, he's a scout and he finds a guy and he has to overcome adversity, you know, but like, but like we discuss this a lot and today's a good time. But look, James Conn passed away today. The program yeah. is just sitting there. Just remake the program with Instagram and NIL and Twitter and all this shit. A college football movie is just, it's right there. They could probably do that. I mean, how much of it also is business and like sponsorships and things? You can't piss off the NFL if you are a movie studio that also has a network that broadcasts the NFL, right? You can't be critical. Or how many schools are you going to piss off if you aren't specific about who it is? And any given Sunday didn't have any NFL teams, and it seemed like it worked out pretty good. 
<laughs> yeah, but then like, what was that Kevin Costner draft movie that had? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! We, we 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 are draft day stands here, sir. <laughs> I didn't see it, so I can't like. But didn't they have like a lot of cooperation from the NFL? So. I mean, you can't enjoy it, and now we can't even enjoy it now because he's a Cleveland Browns GM, and fuck the Cleveland Browns. So I mean. <laughs> Everyone loved the Cleveland Browns, and they're just like, you know, what could we do that would make all the casual fans that love our underdog story just hate us? Oh, let's spell this guy that has 24 sexual assault <laughs> allegations. And we're gonna and we're gonna fire the guy who does the state farm commercials that everyone loves, or whatever commercial Baker does. You know, and we'll trade him when he has no trade value because we already signed the other guy. <laughs> I love the Browns up until about five months ago. Like but like it's just there are no sports movies getting made. It's just it just seems like it'd be a cheap movie for Netflix to make. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. You you know you think you can make you can make a, a woman's soccer movie. You can make a movie about uh, yeah any any. My ten year old and my seven year old we watched Rookie of the Year. We watched They Introduced Me to the Big Green the other day. Which Sean, that movie's trash, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry that you like that movie, but that movie was bad. I walked away from it. <laughs> I, I couldn't finish it, but like they're like these young like if you want like younger people to like your sport, it's the easiest way to like just put together a five million dollar Netflix movie about a young kid baseball or football movie, and my children would eat it up straight up. Just put it on, we're gonna watch that, and it's infuriating. Like what the last baseball movie that was for kids was whenever hell a little big league came out. I guess uh, I guess twenty years ago, probably more than that. 95, we're going to have to Unless you count the Bad New Bears remake in 2005, which I probably won't show. No, nah, I mean, you got to watch the first one, which is so problematic for kids that it's <laughs> fantastic. We, 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 we watched that one. Um, I I, my, the, kids are, my kids are 18 and 16. I don't know if I'll watch it with them. I, I prefer the second one. Um, I have not forced these two to watch the third one yet. Um, the Japan <laughs> breaking, one. breaking tra- Oh, yeah, go to Japan. Breaking Training was okay. I like Breaking Training. It's a road movie. It's a road yeah. trip movie, you know? But, like, that's what I'm asking. Like, as someone that's in this spot, like, do you think that there's a spot for it? Like, or are you just, like, you're just so cynical that it wouldn't work? I don't I, – I think it would work. I'm not sure. I don't know that I know enough about the dynamics of how media companies work now to what's preventing it. And I think so much of it has to do with, like, intellectual property and conflicts because every streaming service now – like That's the broadcast, answer. They all brought – well, they all broadcast sports, right? Peacock has baseball and soccer. Apple is doing uh, now MLS. Um, Amazon does the NFL – uh, all the networks have affiliations and stuff. And I almost wonder if it's like, you can't do something that's critical because you're going to piss off your business partner and you can't do something that is just propaganda for them because it's bad art. And like, so what do you do? Yeah. It, like I said, it's frustrating for a guy that has like two young kids. Like it's like, but back to what you said earlier, you mentioned something about how like when you were, when you were ranting about how this movie's backwards, it makes you have to like, listen to your dad's generation about uh, what he's interested in. We don't have that problem now because everything that my kids are interested in is just recycled IP. Yeah, when there's I, a lot I, of that. <laughs> like, I mean, look at this summer movie season. You know, like uh, Top Gun, last year, Ghostbusters. Like, it's just, my. I wish my sons could have a sh- thing that they could like. That's their own thing? Yes. I So my kids you know what you find out is they're into stuff anyway they find it regardless 
and so like my kids are like have been really big into like anime for the last several years like just japanese stuff that you have no idea what it is but it's new to them and it's completely fresh at least to them and it's not something that belonged to their dad and i have no idea how it works i don't have much of a insight into it at all but they always find their own stuff okay. and uh so you know it's kind of right. how it works we'll let you go because you said yeah you didn't want to be up all night but like <laughs> you, you came on for summer catch you came on for eight men out you came on for field of dreams summer catch better movie than field of dreams. <laughs> and we slammed summer catch if i remember summer correctly. catch is one of those movies that like in my back of my head i'm like i'm gonna get drunk and watch this movie but i'm scared it should work it should work and from what i recall it doesn't work so so the idea is summer catch and field of dreams have something in common and they're both great <laughs> ideas with poor execution but who's a better reason. catcher matthew littered or ray costanza's dad <laughs> Matthew Lillard was the best part of Summer Catch. <laughs> and if you had Freddie Prince Jr. pitching in Field of Dreams, it would have just made the chef's kiss perfect. Like, I might have you on for everyone once some podcast, even though I think both of these guys already did that. That movie, like, I literally, I, like, I routinely get in uh, arguments in my hometown bar, which is a town of about 2,400 people on the Missouri border. Because everyone loves Days and Confused. And I'm like, Everyone wants some is a better movie by the same director. It is. It is and, a better movie. And they don't know that movie. I don't like, that movie just disappeared. It should that movie should be just as popular as Dazed and Confused is. Well, hopefully, hopefully, because of Top Gun Maverick and Glenn Powell, more oh, people yeah. find that movie. It it needs to have a resurgence because it did was you see really Top good. Gun Maverick? I did. It was I liked it, but oh, I also good. I also admit that it was pushing all kinds of nostalgic buttons for me because I was 12 13 when top gun came out so. i see a movie twice in the th- multiple times at theater it's good it's good especially this summer and i saw thor love and thunder today when are you seeing thor love and thunder tomorrow night i know jake's seen it on sunday about you sean i i'll i'll get to it sometime we'll You're see s- when it works for my gonna- in my schedule but that's my favorite thing about you, Craig, is like you, you come off as like this very serious baseball person, but yet you love MCU movies. I'm, a, I'm the biggest Mark ever. I watch everyone. I'm, I'm watching Miss Marvel right now for crying out loud. Oh, me and my, me and my sons are watching it. And like, I'm, we're, we're behind because I haven't had them in a bit. But like, yeah, I didn't see the new one, but yeah, I'm, I'm like one episode behind. I was watching it and like the bad guy showed up and I was all confused. And my 10 year old's like, no, this is what they are. This is their. <laughs> like and like he spent like a good five minutes just schooling my ass. So I wasn't paying attention. They're never to mention people. They're from there to mention. They're called not celestials or some shit. Gems, and like, yeah. And he like he he was like angry that I did not catch who the bad guys were. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I might be at my limit when it comes to Miss Marvel. That might be like the end of my Marvel Mark situation because I'm having a hard time. But like I'm I'm still gonna watch all that shit. I will forever because I'm a fanboy at heart. Thor Love and Thunder is good. So um that's what I'm hoping for. It, even if it's bad, I'll go and see it and I'll come out and I'll say that yeah, was good. <laughs> I mean, you went and saw the Eternals, so I mean the Eternals really sucked, but I went and saw it like first day because that's who I am. I love inducing my seven-year-old to a sex scene in a Marvel movie. Um, oh, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> like here's there's like on the beach, they're uh hugging. It's happening, yeah. <laughs> they, when when two superheroes love each other very much, so. superhero robots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, Jake is giving me the uh, we have to leave 
Motion. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to find a movie, hopefully a new baseball movie in the next year, you know, that'll come I'll, out. I will always be back, man. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on. You are my favorite guest. Like you're like the fact that you come on this little drunk podcast, like, well, I, I got to talk shit somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I remember like last time we were discussing a movie that you said we couldn't talk about. Cause you were on some niche podcast that like they have found it. It was on Burt Reynolds movie where he's like in the outfield, like <gasps> watch. Oh God. I'm and you legit said that we couldn't invite you back on because you were on a podcast that they were so happy that you were talking about it. <laughs> I forget. Yeah. I'm not forgetting what it was, but like, yeah, there was someone else that was doing something. And I was well, like, now you heard that person's feelings, Craig. <laughs> I know I'm terrible. I'm terrible. So, all right. Um, thank you. Hopefully uh, you go to Europe. So hopefully you go to Europe and don't have like a taken Liam Neeson situation where you're there. So. I mean, they do pick one of my kids i don't care i mean i mean if they pick the wrong kid i may be like eh. i don't know the boy's been a pain in the ass lately so just get him back sometime in the next couple of weeks you play your right. might be a new prime minister of britain I guess. i'm hoping to, i'm hoping to go over there in full chaos two weeks from right now i'm going to be in england and i'm hoping it's full chaos i hope the queen has taken over and imposed monarchical rule and people are being beheaded in the tower of london when we take our tour our little 12 dollar tour i assume you'll be wearing a rochester ted lasso <laughs> yeah, go for it definitely so all right man well we will talk to you soon i appreciate you coming on all right thanks a lot for having me guys all right thanks craig of course thank you yeah. all, all right. right later bye peace out peace